guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Let me tell you a little story. Just last week, I was at my house, chilling, and my cousins were at my grandma's house, so I decided I need to take a journey to my grandma's house to see my cousins, because they are from Georgia, and I should hang out with my cousins when they're in town, from out of town. So... I go outside to get into my car to go to my grandma's house to see my cousins who are from Georgia. And it is a million degrees outside. It's muggy and disgusting. And I was inside in AC all morning. So I had no idea. So I was wearing jeans and a sweatshirt. And I walked outside and I thought, it's literally 95 degrees out here. It is disgusting. So then I went back inside and I got into my summer fit. And I went out. On my way to the car, the sun is shining, okay? Picture it. It's literally today. The sun is shining. It is hot. It is gross out there. And out of nowhere, lightning just hits the ground. Like, it wasn't close to me, but it was very loud out of nowhere. Like, not a cloud in the sky. And then a great wind comes. And I was like, oh, no, what's happening? But the sun was shining, so I get in my car. Like, 20 seconds later, I'm in my car. I'm driving. I turn the corner, and it starts downpouring. Like, the apocalypse is happening out of nowhere. It was absolutely insane. So I was like, the sun was shining moments ago. Now it's raining like the apocalypse. Like cars are pulling over. There are stoplights out. There's a tree down. There's like the river is now on the street. Like it is absolutely insane. So what I do is I obviously pull out my Spotify and I put the tenant soundtrack on, which is just like really intense soundtrack music so that I would feel cooler driving in the storm. Like you guys do this, right? Like whenever you're doing something kind of cool, you're like, I'm going to make this cooler by putting soundtracks on so I feel even cooler. Like I'm an action hero now because I have the tenant soundtrack on. It's like, I'm like, yeah, I'm driving in this rain. It's incredible. Like I feel so cool because I'm driving in the rain, the tenant soundtrack is on and I'm just going, I'm going for it. There's like literally cars pulled over, but I'm like, I must make it to my grandma's house to see my cousins who are from Georgia, and more importantly, eat mac and cheese, which is waiting for me at my grandma's house. If we're being honest, that's really what I was, you know, out here in this apocalyptic weather for, was to get to the mac and cheese. And if I perished on the way to get that mac and cheese, imagine the mac and cheese that Jesus could make. Like, imagine that for a second. Incredible, right? Like, better than Panera. Think about it, it's true. Okay, so I get to my grandma's house, and out of nowhere, there's the sun again, and it's like it never even happened, except that there's tree branches down everywhere and everything's wet now. Crazy, right? This got me thinking, like, I was really glad that I was in my car, right? From the time it started to the time it was over, I was safe in my car. Like, if lightning hit my car, whatever, there's like rubber wheels. I don't know, they say it's like the safe place to be. It doesn't always feel safe. But, like, imagine I wasn't in it. Like, imagine I was, I don't know, in a tiny little boat in the middle of a lake. That would be terrifying, right? That would be awful. That would be a bad, bad time. Just imagine it, okay? You are in a small fishing boat. Everything seems chill. The sun is shining, hanging out with your people. Some of you are napping. Some of you are trying to be rapping. Uh Uh-oh. Next thing you know, lightning be zapping. (laughs) And seven-foot waves are lapping right over the edge of the boat. And uh uh-oh, you might need your coat. That was 100% for Joey. Uh, (laughs) But imagine that for one second, right? That'd be truly terrifying, truly awful. Those kinds of storms are scary. But 
Sometimes there are storms in our lives. Now, I'm not talking about like thunder, like, oh yeah, duh, you just talked about a thunderstorm. No, I'm talking metaphorically there are storms in your life, obviously. Get, get with me. Like, times when life is rough, times when life like, slaps you right in the face, like when we lose a friend or someone close to us gets sick or someone who feels safe to us is moving away, or when you are disappointed because you didn't do well in the test even though you studied for it, or you didn't get the job even though you thought you were going to get it. Maybe there's tension in your family relationships. You know exactly what a storm in your life looks like. And the Bible has a lot to say about this kind of storm by talking about an actual storm. So that is what we're going to talk about tonight. When that thunderstorm came for me, I was in the safety of my car, but the Bible tells us of a time when the storm came for the disciples and they were stuck in a little fishing boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. So let's dive into the Bible and see what this event in Jesus's life has to teach us about the storms that we face in our own lives. So let's pray real quick. Dear God, Help us to learn from this story tonight. Help us to learn from Jesus's life how to live our own lives. Um, help me speak what you want me to speak uh, and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so welcome to week one of the series that I'm calling, uh-oh, Seaside Sessions, um, because it's summertime and everybody wishes that they were in a pool or some body of water to escape the devastating heat that's all around us at all times until October comes. Um, so we're just going to talk about some stories in the Bible that have to do with water. So water's going to be involved. It's pretty loose. Uh, it's going to be fun. So get pumped, get ready, grab your towel, grab your sunscreen, grab your sunglasses. We're going to jump into the Bible. So tonight we're mostly going to be talking about Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, but we're also going to jump into Luke and Matthew, a little bit of uh, Joshua and the Psalms. So get your Bible out if you have it. If you have your phone, get your Bible app out. Whatever you're going to take notes on, get it out because we're going to jump right into this. The first four books of the Bible are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, these are the Gospels, right? That's what we call the Gospels. And they are filled with eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life here on earth. Um, now, since they were written by different people, they sometimes have like different perspectives on what happened, or they focus in on different stories. But three of these we call, this is a fun little fact for you, the Synoptic Gospels, which are Matt, Mark, and Luke. These three have mostly the same stories in them. They're pretty much right on. John, out there being a weirdo, doing whatever he wants, being John, you know, he was just being a tryhard. He's like, I want to focus on these stories no one talks about. Thanks, John, actually, because we needed those. But those three are called the Synaptic Gospels, and so we're going to talk about a story that is in all three of those. So you're going to see that we might jump around from one story to the next. It's the same story. It's just in three different books. So this story, this event in Jesus's life, um, comes after some other events in his life, right? So let's start at the beginning. Jesus was born of a virgin, in the year around zero, uh, he was fully God and fully a baby human. Um, it's very confusing at the beginning. I don't, that's a whole different sermon, but he was fully God and fully a baby human, and it's blo it blows my mind. I think about it a lot. Um, then around the time when he's been on earth for like 30 years, he decides that he should get his life together, and he gets baptized, and he starts what we call his earthly ministry. Um, up to that point, from what we can tell, the Bible is just pretty vague on it, so we just assume that he was doing carpentry with his dad. So Jesus was hanging out, doing carpentry with his dad till he was 30, and then, much like me, decided it was time to get his life together. And he starts preaching. He starts doing stuff. He starts like, performing miracles. He starts teaching about himself and his kingdom and how to live, and it's all really good, really good, life-changing stuff. And one of these days, he's out there, and he gives a really famous sermon. 
Okay, this big one, he's on a mountain. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. I've made fun of it before, and I will continue to make fun of it because let me tell you, it's a dumb name. You gave a sermon on a mountain, and you're calling it the Sermon on the Mount. For a second, just like try for a second, you know? Um, But they didn't, and that's fine. So we're going to actually pick up the story after this big day. He's been on this mountain preaching. There's crowds and crowds of people following him around because he's been performing miracles and doing all this nonsense. Like, good nonsense, but nonsense. And so now he's like, I got to get out of here. Like, it's time to leave. So let's pick up in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. It says this, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although some boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up, waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Okay. Let's stop here real quick. I don't think you're really picturing what's going on here. This isn't like, they're like, they say lake, and you're probably thinking, oh, I've seen a lake. I've seen Harvey's Lake. No. It's not like Harvey's Lake. It's a little bit bigger than Harvey's Lake. But shout out to Lake Day. This Saturday, we're meeting here at 3.30. You should come bring a towel. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, not Harvey's Lake. A little bit bigger than that. It was 13 miles long, seven miles across. This is the Sea of Galilee. Some people call it the Sea of Galilee. It's called like Lake something else sometimes. It's the same body of water. It's pretty big. So seven miles across is a long way to travel in a tiny boat, which is at most like 25 feet long. Like we're talking little tiny fishing boat, seven miles across. So in the middle of all of this, there's a storm and they're in this little tiny death boat. I would never be out there in that tiny death boat, um, pass on water because I don't want to deal with that. So things look like it's going bad, right? The end is nigh, the water's filling the boat, but someone very important is with them in the boat. So let's pick it up in verse 38. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. If you didn't guess it was Jesus, then I I don't know what to tell you. You probably weren't paying attention. Uh, The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other, for even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, if there's one thing that you take away from tonight, I hope and I pray that it's that the minions are absolute monsters. And I believe deeply that we are going to be judged for allowing them to dominate the zeitgeist like we have. It's bad. It's really bad. I'm just kidding. All right. Actually, the most important thing I want you guys to remember is this statement. The storm can't take you down when Jesus is around. I'll say it one more time because that's what I want you to remember. The storm can't take you down when Jesus is around. Now, there are going to be storms in our lives. Jesus promises this, okay? He says right from the beginning, he's like, yo, there's going to be trouble. There are going to be storms in your life. And we see that to be true throughout the whole New Testament. Um, People in the early church, the early Jesus followers, all had a lot of really tough things happen to them, and usually their lives ended brutally. Um, Luckily for us, you know, our lives won't end brutally, but there's still going to be storms, there's still going to be troubles in our lives, because that's just how life works. Everyone has this trouble, and I think it's a fact that we should all remember when we interact with other people, because everyone has a storm going on in their own lives, even if you can't see it. Fun little fact about the storms of life is that they come out of nowhere. One minute, everything seems completely fine. You know, you're just hanging out with the boys, you're playing some video games, and then you get a call with some devastating news, or you see a text from a friend that is mad at you for the reason you don't understand. The storms of life can hit you fast and out of nowhere. Uh, It says in Matthew 8, 24, suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. 
suddenly is important because there was just no time to react, which means we should prepare for the storms of life before they hit us. The disciples didn't really realize it, but they had prepared a little bit for the storm because they had Jesus in their boat with them. And so the first thing we're going to learn from this scripture, from this event in Jesus's life, is to be prepared. So look directly into your neighbor's eyes and whisper, how do we be prepared? (laughs) Ah, yes, be prepared, but how, how, right? I don't think you all looked each other in the eyes, but I will, it's fine. Um, So how to be prepared. Let's go over these. There are a couple easy ways to be prepared for the storms of life. Um, Remember, the storm can take you down when Jesus is around, but that means you have to let Jesus be around. Uh, If you don't want anything to do with him, he won't be around. He's going to listen to you. If you say, hey, get out of here, he's going to get out of here. But if you want Jesus around, there's there's a couple things that you can do, and Jesus will be, be right there. One great way to keep Jesus around is to have a deep and daily relationship with him. This means daily reading your Bible, and praying. Um, I truly understand that this is harder than it sounds. I get it. I really do. Um, sometimes it might not seem worth it. If I'm being honest, I've talked to myself into not, like, talked myself out of reading my Bible plenty of times. Like, it's boring. It's hard to understand. It was written forever ago. Um, I really, like, want to finish Stranger Things instead. Like, there's, like, a lot of reasons that I can find to not pick up my Bible and read it, and I've done it. I've convinced myself not to read my Bible before. Um, but I'm going to challenge you because I also, I challenge myself a lot to do this. So I'm going to challenge you guys to do this. If any of those things are keeping you from reading your Bible, do an experiment for me. It's easy. An easy experiment, just a week. Every single day for one week, read at least a chapter and read it slow. Don't just zoom through it. Read it, actually read it, you know, comprehend it, get in your brain, and then pray for five minutes. This is going to take you a total of maybe 15 minutes a day. But it's a challenge, it's an experiment, that if you do this every single day for a week, I promise you that you're going to start to feel the life-changing power of the Word of God, and the life-changing power of a relationship with Jesus that's deepened when you read the Bible and when you pray every single day. And then when the storms of life hit, you're going to be ready for it, because the storm can take you down when Jesus is around. And if you're like me, you're going to have to do this little experiment more than once, because, you know, you'll be doing good for a while. It'd be like a month. It'd be like, you know, me and Jesus are really on track right now. And then you miss a day here, you miss a day there, things get busy. And next thing you know, you haven't prayed in three days and you're basically speed reading the verse of the day as your Bible study. I get it. It happens sometimes. And then when that happens, I look to myself and I say, David, you can do this for one week. Anything for one week you can do. And then you just do it for a week again, and then you're back into the rhythm of it. It's a great experiment to try. I encourage everyone to do it because it is a great way to keep Jesus around. And the storm can't take you down when Jesus is around. Okay, so you want him in your boat. You want him in your life. So how else can you prepare for these storms? Next thing you can do, this is, we're, we're doing a lot of hard work tonight, so just get ready. The next thing you can do to prepare for the storms of your life is to memorize the promises of God, those POGs. Memorize the POGs, guys. Knowing exactly how many promises are in the Bible is a tough thing because I looked this up and so many people say different things. I saw numbers from like 3,000 to 30,000 to like very specific, like 5,752. Like, it doesn't matter, guys. There are a lot of promises of God in the Bible. The exact number, eh, who cares? But there are a lot of promises in the Bible that God has for you. And you should memorize them. And you might ask, but why? Look at your neighbor and say, but why? Mm. Well, here it is. When the storms of life suddenly hit and you're feeling down, okay? 
the storm of life hits, you're feeling down, you're feeling bummed out, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling like you're being overwhelmed, you feel the waves crashing down on you, there's going to be a little tiny voice in your head that's going to start to lie to you. And they're going to tell you things will never get better. It's going to tell you that you are worthless or that God will never love you or that God has abandoned you in that moment. There's that little voice that you're going to hear in your head. Almost every single time, there's a storm. But when you have the promises of God memorized, when you have those POGs memorized, when that lie hits your brain, you can immediately fire back the truth of the promise of God. When, when that uh, voice in your head says, you know, God's not with you anymore because of what you did and what's going on in the situation, you can say, no, God promises that nothing can separate you from him. And it says in Romans 8, 38 and 39, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, angels or demons, Neither our fears for today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky above or earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from God's love that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Boom. Sorry, little voice in my head. That's the truth. And then you can combat the lies that are going to be happening in your brain when those storms come, when those waves come, when life slaps you in the face. You can say, no, this is the truth. Here's another one. God promises not to fail you or abandon you. When that voice tells you, hey, God's not around anymore. You can say, not true. The Bible says, and God promises, he says, to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. God's got your back. You can tell that little voice that. When that little voice says that, like, this is going to end badly, no matter what you think, no matter what you do, it's going to all end bad for you, God promises to work everything out for your good. He says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love and are called according to his purpose for them. He's gonna redeem it. He's gonna, he's gonna restore it because that's what he does. When that little voice in your head says that you are not gonna be okay because your needs are not gonna be met, you're not gonna have food, you're not gonna have the medicine you need, you're not gonna have the people around that you need, God promises to take care of your needs. It says this in Philippians, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, this is just a starting point. There are so many promises. You can find them. Open up your Bible. Find them. Memorize them. When that little voice in your head lies to you, you can tell the truth right back into its face. And the Bible is filled with these. So I understand memorizing is hard. If you are at camp with me, you remember how hard it is for me to memorize things. Joey remembers. Malachi remembers. It was... It's hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freddie, you remember too. It is hard to memorize things, but you can do it because you can do hard things. Um, and when you memorize them, and even if it's just the idea of it, like you don't have to know a word for word, when the storm hits, the storm won't be able to take you down because Jesus is around. Now, on a similar note to memorizing the promises of God, the next way to be prepared is to write down and keep track of the times that God has been faithful to you. All right? So, has God answered a prayer? Write it down. Has God mended your heart when it was broken? Write it down. Has God spoken a word of life over you when you felt lifeless? Write it down. Has God put people in your life right when you needed them most? Write it down. Has God helped you defeat Jedi Fallen Order on the hardest level? Yes. And write it down. He did that. I did that, guys, just so you know. I got that achievement. No big deal. Um, It was very hard, and I worked a long time for it. So, yeah, write it down, okay? (laughs) Uh, This way, we can remember what God has done before and that he's going to do it again, and that will make the storm easier to get through. It's going to be easier when you remember, hey, I've been through the storm before, and God brought me through, and he's going to do it again. Now, this is not my incredible idea. Now, I understand why you think that. Like, wow, Dave is such a smart guy. He came up with this all by himself. 
Wrong, not true. Um, it's actually straight from the Bible. It talks about this in Joshua. So in Joshua, we read about a time when God's people needed to cross a river. Okay, so they have to get across this river, but there's no bridges and boats would take too long. So God's like, listen, just take the Ark of the Covenant, start walking it into the river and I'll stop it. So it happens. They walk the Ark of the Covenant into the river. He stops the river and then the people of God just get to walk across on dry land. Pretty cool, right? Right after this, our boy Josh He's important. We can talk about him some other time. Our boy Josh tells the people of Israel this. He tells God's people this. He says, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder, uh, 12 stones in all, for one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Now, God might, you know, not actually stop a river for you, okay? That might not happen. But he will do something for you at some point in your life. And when you write it down, you make a memorial for you to go back and to remember it. So that when the storms come, you can say, hey, He's done it before. I have a note on my phone that I can go back and it reminds me of times that I stepped out in faith and God caught me, or I needed a friend and he provided one, or I was in a panic and he gave me peace that I didn't understand. God is good and he is faithful, and when you write it down, you remember it easier, and that is part of being prepared for the storms of life. All right, there are some ways that we can be prepared for the storms of life, right? What else can we learn from the scripture? There's got to be a little bit more, right? You're like, there's got to be a little more. There is. Now, we've already learned that storms come at us fast, so we've got to be prepared. Now, let's take one more look back at this scripture to see what, what Matthew has to say. Matthew 8, 25-26 says, The disciples went, this is the same story, so the disciples went and woke him, shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there is a great calm. So something that hit me really hard when I was reading the story over and over and over again, preparing for tonight, is that Jesus seems um, like, what was Jesus doing here? You know, like I was, I was thinking, like, why do you seem like a little bit upset with them, right? He seems to be like, why are you afraid? You have so little faith, even though it feels like the disciples did the right thing. They called out to him. They said, you know, Lord, save us. That seems like the right thing to do in that time. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, why did Jesus respond this way? And here's what I believe. This is what's going on in this, in this uh, little event here. Is that Jesus didn't have to stop the storm for them to survive. The storm could have continued on its natural course. And at the end of it, Jesus and his disciples would have been right on the other side of the lake, in one piece, right on time, right where they needed to be. And everything would have been fine. But... The disciples didn't have enough faith to make it through. So Jesus calmed the sea and he, just because they, they, didn't, they couldn't make it through. And what is this teaching us? Well, I think that sometimes he isn't going to stop the storm for us. And that's just true. Sometimes we have to go through the storm. Sometimes we're going to have to feel the pain, the heartache, and the disappointment, the grief. But the storm can't take you down when Jesus is around. Now, we are promised storms in this life because we're living in a world that's been broken by sin. Um, now, someday Jesus is going to come back and he's going to make everything perfect again. And that's when we're going to really be able to live and not have to worry about the storms of life. But until then, we're going to have to go through some storms. And sometimes it's not going to be fun. And sometimes we're going to have to go all the way through it. Um, but we can place our hope in him. Um, and this reminds me of Psalm 23. Uh, and this psalm is quoted a lot and is talked about a lot. But I think it's somehow still underrated. <laughs> 
Um, it means a lot to me personally, actually. So we are going to read the psalm real quick because all of this reminded me of the psalm, having to go through the storm. So here we go. This is the psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, and I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me right along bright paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Verse 4 says, when I walk through the darkest valley. It doesn't say when I start to walk into the valley and then you do a miracle and pull me up out of the valley and put me on the other side where it's safe again. It says when I walk through the valley of darkness, you're going to be with me. You're going to be by my side. You're still going to be my protector. That's what we're going to have to do sometimes. Sometimes it's not going to be as easy as Jesus just performing a miracle in our lives because we live in a broken world and it's not going to be perfect until he comes again. Now, part of being a Jesus follower is placing your faith in Jesus even as the storm surrounds you. Placing your hope in him doesn't mean that it's going to uh, make it better um, because our eternity will be spent with him and that's when it will be perfect. But in this life, it might not be better when we put our faith in him. Um, But it will be better because he'll be there to comfort us. We aren't going to know sometimes why Jesus performs the miracle in our lives and stops the storm or why sometimes he chooses to wait until later and let us ride through the storm. Uh, God is bigger and his ways are higher and we just have to trust and remember that the storm can't take you down when Jesus is around because he always wins in the end. Mark says that um, they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. The other boats didn't have Jesus in it. Who really knows what happens to, those, to the boats that didn't have Jesus in it, right? They could have veered off course. They could have sunk. They, couldn't, they could have just disappeared. We don't exactly know what happened to those other boats. We only know what happened to the boat that had Jesus in it. And maybe some of you don't have Jesus in your boat. Maybe you never have, or maybe you did at some point, but you kicked him out. You said, hey, get out of here. I want to do my own thing. I want to I row my own boat. Here's what's great about Jesus is that he's always waiting for you. So if you want help in the storms of life, if you want someone to be with you, if you want someone to protect you when things get hard, when the storms of life come and hit you, he's right there and waiting to be in your boat, to be your comforter. It says in Romans uh, 10.9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So here's the whole story. God is love, but our sin separated us from God. But God loved us so much that he couldn't let us be separated forever. So he sent Jesus down to die on a cross to close the separation that sin caused. And now all we have to do is place our faith in Jesus and the God of the universe will be there to see you through the storms of life, to be your hope, to be your comfort in times of need, to help you when it feels like nothing will be better. The more of your life you place in his hands, the better it will be. Because remember, the storms can't take you down when Jesus is around. So Jesus, we thank you so much that we can place all of our hope and all of our trust in you. And even when things don't make sense, even when the waves are crashing over our boat and life is suffocating us, when our friends are leaving us, we don't know why, when we're in um, relationships that seem to be broken, when our families are falling apart, when 
the craziness in the world around us is happening, that you are our firm foundation, that you are our comforter, that you will be with us as we go through the darkest valley. And sometimes you're going to pick us up out of that valley, and sometimes you're going to walk with us through it. We are thankful for that. And help us to remember as we walk through this life, to keep inviting you into the boat and to be prepared for when the storms come. Help us to remember to keep a deep and daily relationship with you. Help us to memorize your promises and be able to talk back to the lies that are going to be in our head when the storms come. And help us to remember that when you've done something before, you can do it again so easily. Jesus, thank you for all of this and thank you for everything that you've done. I pray for the rest of this night. I pray for small groups and I pray for everyone's drive home. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.